Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. This show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some killer free ebooks as well as drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to the toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com/toolbox. That's where you'll get the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, all that stuff that's more important than you might think. We've got boot camps running every single month here in California. Details at theartofcharm.com, and I'm looking forward to meeting all of you guys here at The Art of Charm. Enjoy. Today I did a great show with my friend Ben Greenfield of Ben Greenfield Fitness. We're going to talk about a lot of weird stuff, actually, but how we absorb metal and toxins through our daily life. And this isn't just like woo-woo, you know, drink lemonade for three weeks and poop everything out type stuff, but actual detoxification Metal detox and why you might need to do it, especially depending on where you live. Urbanites, I'm looking at you. And underground training tactics. So packing hard workouts into short times during your daily routine. Why walking to the library can turn into a badass workout. Also going to talk about detoxifying your organs and gut. Compression and why it's not just for old people. And you know what I'm talking about, those weird socks. Kind of like man spanks, but actually uh, supposedly really good for you. And also ice baths, metabolism, why it's important to be physically uncomfortable at some point every day, not just leave your emotional and mental comfort zone, and also how to optimize sleep and get the highest quality Z's possible. So enjoy this show with myself and Ben Greenfield. Do you really drink when you do the show? No, I actually don't. Although I've, I've talked to some guys who do that. Like they'll do a couple shots before they do a show just to like get them all relaxed. I personally do not do that. It, it kind of gets in the way of training. I used to drink during the show. Sometimes I do if I'm doing the show at night and it's just like a coincidence. You know, speaking yeah. of scotch sounds really good right now. Like I might hit some uh, of that. It is Saturday, but then yeah, for you to be, you know, super intense athlete and then grab a couple of rounds of scotch before you go out and run 12 miles might not be really just a wise idea in general. Yeah, that's at least what most of the research point towards. Science so far is a real buzzkill. There was the study that they did that everybody flipped out over about how beer replenishes carbohydrates and electrolytes just as well as Gatorade, but they pretty much stopped at whether or not it actually replenished carbs and electrolytes and didn't really actually look at what happened the next day or what it did to inflammation or anything of those of that nature. So I think that there's probably some disadvantages. Yeah, there's that whole alcohol attacking your body and liver yeah. and all that stuff at yeah. that point too. But yeah, let's not worry about yeah. that. Let's yeah. put it on BuzzFeed and talk about how it yeah. compares to Gatorade or whatever. Exactly. But I do drink every day. I have a glass of wine. Pretty much every day. Is there a health reason behind that? Absolutely. If you look at the nutritional habits of some of the longest living populations on the face of the planet, coffee, tea, and wine are three biggies that you tend to see as staples in their diet. Like if you look at like the island of, of Krakos off the coast of Greece, um, which is where like some of the longest living centenarians and the densest populations of centenarians per capita on the face of the planet live. I mean, these folks are coffee, tea, and wine pretty much all day long, one of the three. 
And then it's like relationships and love and then lots of ancestral foods like bone broth and goat milk and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. So yeah, absolutely. You throw a glass of wine in with some good coffee and uh, some good relationships and you're good to go. Yeah, and the fact that they live on a really awesome island, probably work like three hours a week, also nicely balances out their work-life balance and stress levels. Yeah, they're probably like zip lining and, and slack lining and stuff like that all day long too. <laughs> that's that's what I would do if I lived on Sure. Island. Yeah, I mean, looking at the political issues in Greece, their work week is probably like 10 hours and they probably have health care and education paid for and everything. Right, so, and their currency is shells. And good vibes. Hardly tradable on the international market, but... Always uh, hard to value. How would you describe yourself? The word intense comes up when I speak to our mutual friends. So I'm like, but that's not always a good thing. So I'm going to let you sort of take it from here. You know, I get that sometimes that I'm an intense guy. And I think that's because people associate intensity with stuff like Ironman triathlon or like my newfound love, which is Spartan racing and obstacle racing. But honestly, it's pretty much at the starting line when I'm intense or sometimes when I'm in business that I'm intense and most of the time I'm a pretty laid back dude. So, yeah, I mean, you don't sound super intense right now. I'm like, did I wake this guy up? What's going on over here? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're one of those guys where you hear things like he does blood markers every hour. And I'm like, I'm going to ask him that myself. Cause that just does not sound legit and correct. No, no, I do them more often. I do it four times a year. And actually, my wife and I were having this discussion last night. We were actually at, at an oyster feed, and she was sitting by me as we were waiting for some of our friends to get there. And I was telling her about this new implantable biochip that I, I read about it in USA Today. It was in yesterday's lifestyle section. And it's this implantable chip that keeps track of like glucose and fatty acids and inflammatory markers and stuff like that. And honestly, I probably would get one of those. Uh, just to make it easier than like going to a lab and giving blood and also just to be able to just out of sheer curiosity, like, you know, what is my big ass lunchtime salad due to my glucose and my fatty acids or my inflammation or my testosterone versus a juicy steak, you know, versus a Gatorade. But ultimately at this point in my life, all I do is a blood test four times a year with this company called Wellness FX and I just go in and give blood and a few days later get my results back and it helps me kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what supplements are working and what foods are working and if I'm beating my body up too much in training or if I need to make some changes and you know but it's definitely not every day. That makes more sense and that sounds much more sane because obviously on the show we want to talk about things that guys can do themselves and I think Guys probably went, so I have to stick myself with a needle how many times per day? No thanks. Next episode. <laughs> you've got a lot of cool sort of underground, little-known training, nutrition, lifestyle, biohacking hacks, for lack of a better word. And people don't think about that. They're like, oh, well, I'm not really in that great of shape, so I don't need to worry about biohacking. But it's not necessarily like that. And it's not necessarily about shortcuts either. But the fact that you can do something more efficiently also gives you more time, which, as we know, is essentially the currency of our generation. Free time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's totally about better living through science, especially if you're somebody who is not existing on a pristine Himalayan mountaintop somewhere. I mean, we don't live, most of us, in supernatural environments. Like right now while I'm talking to you, I have, you know, two computers in the room. I've got a Wi-Fi router. I've got big cars driving by on the road outside, you know, slamming on their brakes, sending metal dust into the air. I mean, there's, you know, there's toxins and pollutants all around us. And sometimes you actually do need to either put some nutrients into your body or take training measures that are going to create less stress or, you know, do these little biohacks that actually help you live longer or feel better. You know, we were just talking about the, the Greek island. It's like not all of us live on that Greek island, right? I know I'm not the only one stuck on this. Wait a minute. But I bike in San Francisco every day, everywhere. Miles. Miles and yeah. miles. Ten miles a day. I'm next to cars. And I'm just yeah, sucking all that good stuff up. Mm, yummy. Yeah, research has shown that even removing yourself a matter of feet from a road makes a difference when it comes to particulates that wind up in your lungs and ultimately in your bloodstream. There's a few things that I personally do because I run on busy roads and, you know, I'll ride my bike on highways. And I mean, a lot of times I'm in big cities like Bangkok or New York or, you know, anywhere else where there's a lot of traffic and pollution. You know, I'm out there sucking stuff in as I'm as I'm running. 
I do use in specific cases where I've been exposed to pollutants and toxins, antioxidants. So I'm not a guy who takes antioxidants every day. I think that you use them like a weapon. Like when you've been exposed to a lot of oxidation, a lot of free radical stress, like that's where using a, a supplement like, you know, any of these antioxidant supplements like glutathione or, you know, N-acetylcysteine are two really good ones. And there's others that are like blends of a bunch of different powdered plant extracts and, you know, polyphenols and, you know, blueberry powder and beetroot powder and all these things you see marketed as antioxidant supplements. Those actually do help when you've been exposed to pollutants and toxins. I even make sure that I use antioxidants on days that I swim in a chlorinated pool. Chlorine in and of itself is an oxidative stress. So that's one thing that I do. And then once a year, I actually do a metal detox. I actually do what's called metal chelation where you can use specific supplements that bind metals and you more or less poop them out. So you bind metals in liver, heart, other organs, and one of your body's primary means of disposing of metals that have been bound or what's called chelated is uh, via urine and stool. So you pretty much um, bind the metals, get them out, and I do that once a year, a metal detox, just because – yeah, you get exposed to brake metal dust. And I mean, like <laughs> car keys and, and Chinese toys and all sorts of stuff have, have metals in them. And as we've learned recently in a lot of news flashes, like protein powders have metals in them, which is kind of scary. Bulletproof so, coffee, actual bullets. Just kidding. <laughs> actual bullets. <laughs> actual lead bullets. ones. Big, big yeah. lead ones with lots of arsenic and mercury. Yes. And of course, there's, dent- there's dental work too. Like I have a holistic dentist who uses completely biologically natural compounds. But I mean, you know, people who have been around a long time and maybe still have mercury in their mouths or even some of these mercury alternative fillings. I mean, like those are sources of metal too. And it's not like I live life in a bubble, but that's like my rule. Once a year, I do a metal detox. Yeah. Never thought about the dental stuff, but I will say I had a root canal in the former East Germany in the nineties. Yeah. Probably got some gross shit in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You probably got some metals and you got to be careful with there are some like doctors and clinics and stuff that do metal detoxes. And the problem is sometimes you free up metals and they wind up in other parts of your body, like your brain, for example. Most metals can cross your blood brain barrier. So if you or a listener is looking into a metal detox or a metal chelation, you want to get what's called an amino acid chelation, which is basically a special kind of protein that you usually would spray into your mouth and it forms what's called a peptide bond around a metal. And that allows it to just be removed via normal organ disposal rather than wind up floating in your bloodstream elsewhere. That's kind of important too. Okay, so a couple questions on this. One, how intense is it? Because, you know, when you're in LA and people are like, I'm doing a cleanse, it means they don't eat for like three weeks and they drink lemon juice and they're just like shitting everything out and it's disgusting. Be within 10 feet of a toilet at yeah. all times. Is this something that like a normal person can do when they have other obligations other than playing PlayStation from their toilet? You barely even notice it. Like the first time I did one, I was a little bit nauseous for the first two days, which I kind of thought, you know, that didn't surprise me just because I was detoxing. But it wasn't, I mean, I've done some of those cleanses, like those full on like high fiber cleanses or the ones where you take like 18 cups of spirulina and, you know, lemon juice and cayenne and all this other stuff. Um, Those are pretty disruptive to your social life and your normal bodily function. Yes, these peptide-based chelations for metal, they're pretty easy on the body. I mean, if you're super metal toxic, you might be a little bit more nauseous than usual the first couple of days you do one, but it's not a full-on like colon cleanse or, you know, one of these deals where you got to do an enema every morning or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, that makes more sense. And the other question is, how do you know this stuff works? I mean, how do you know you're pooping out metal? Is it someone told you or were you like, hey, lab, I got an unorthodox request for you. Here's the sample. You know, check it out. Yeah, my education on metal chelation came from an MD uh, physician who does a lot of anti-aging and longevity work down in Florida out of a place called the LifeWorks Wellness Center down there. His name is uh, Dr. Minkoff, and he's actually done over 40 Ironman triathlons. Uh, He's on the board of directors for a a mastermind group that I run for personal trainers, a super trustworthy guy, and um, he's really done a lot of research when it comes to clearing up the body of metals. One of the populations that he works with are people who have been messed up by dental work, and this formulation is what he uses with those folks. So that's how I discovered it, and and that's why I use it. Okay, cool. Yeah, because you always got to wonder – 
Sometimes people are like, did you know that XYZ is going to kill you? Oh, and by the way, I'm the only person that sells the cure to this. Just saying, yeah. you know, there's a lot of yeah. that, especially in the fitness industry. Yeah, exactly. As far as I know, I don't sell metal chelation therapy. So yeah. um, you might accidentally sell some, but yeah. not to your knowledge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally sold a bunch of this. I had no idea because I'm so effing rich. It just happened by accident. Yeah, no, I'm just that's right. And yeah. by the way, just to clear things up, I don't have any thing against anyone who does an anima every morning um that's fine <laughs> if that's your thing uh interesting especially a coffee enema i've heard that coffee enemas actually give you the same effect as drinking a cup of coffee because you're just like absorbing the caffeine through your colon instead <laughs> yeah, but, of drinking like, it how bad do you hate coffee that you shove it in your butt <laughs> you know like what's the real deal here and do you actually taste it <laughs> or do you have to add cinnamon and half and half and all that yeah. good stuff too? What kind of coffee are you drinking that's so bad that you're like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot this in my colon. <laughs> <laughs> that's the stuff that comes in the Dunkin' Donuts cup. Yeah. You know, it's actually funny. Dunkin' Donuts coffee, not that bad. Maybe step down from there and you got to shoot it directly in your butt. But pro tip, yeah. make, make sure it's not hot. That's the pro tip for the coffee enema. For me, it depends on the cup. Like if I'm drinking coffee out of a styrofoam cup, I don't care if it's like, you know, 60 pounds a bag, like the most pristine coffee on the face of the planet that's, you know, whatever, mold-free and toxin-free or whatnot. It just tastes like crap if it's out of a styrofoam cup. So I have my specific mug that I have to drink coffee out of. And even if it's cheap-ass coffee, it tastes pretty damn good if it's out of my special lucky ceramic mug. Right. So. There's a psychological effect to doing anything that involves styrofoam where you just know that you can't prove it, but it's killing mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Even a nice steak out of a, one of those styrofoam to-go boxes just tastes horrible. Because you're just thinking, what is leached into here overnight? Well, at least you're not, at least you're not getting any metals with styrofoam, though, right? So are metals worse for you than styrofoam? You know what? I, I think it's probably a toss up. I can't say I've I've seen research on metals versus uh, styrofoam, but obviously there are you know the endocrine disruptors is the issue with plastics and uh, polystyrenes and stuff like that. You know they can actually take up where you're, the normal spot on the cell receptor that testosterone would bind to, or they can bind testosterone itself. So that's where the issue with those are. Wow, that's really awful. So basically, like if you have enough of that crap in your system, you can actually screw up your hormone system. It's not just like some nebulous thing that's going to give you cancer in 50 years. You're actually messing with what's now. Yeah, exactly. And they've actually done studies. They've done studies on guys who have taken a shower using a normal personal care product that contains these things like parabens and phthalates, and they found them in their urine within three hours. And these are endocrine disrupting chemicals. That's terrifying. They can affect your libido. They can affect things like man boobs. One of the issues with man boobs is high levels of estrogen circulating in your bloodstream. And unfortunately, a lot of these phthalates specifically are estrogen mimickers. And so you're, you're getting female hormones essentially when you're eating out of styrofoam or using the average cheap ass shampoo that's out there. So yeah, you do have to be careful. Well, that's why I never wash with soap. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although there is some evidence for that too, that the pheromones, that soaps can actually wash some of those away. And so technically by using soap a little less, you may actually make yourself more attractive to the opposite sex. Yeah. I think there's probably a law of diminishing returns at some point. Yes, there. I would agree. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, author's note here, don't just never wash because you don't want your pheromones gone because if they can't smell your pheromones over your other BO, you're in trouble, right? Yeah. What my rule is if I haven't worked out, usually I do water only. And then if I worked out and I know I've got, you know, a lot of stinky sweat or, you know, crap from somebody else at the gym hanging around on my skin, that's when I use soap. And I just use all natural soap. Like the stuff I use is the Dr. Uh, Bronner's liquid yeah. soap. That's just like super clean. It doesn't have a bunch of chemicals added to mm -hmm. it. It says nice things on the outside of the bottle, so it must be good. Right. And it smells really nice. I think the guy that invented it was big into like the hemp, making hemp yeah. legal movement. And I think he uses hemp oil in a lot of his compounds too. But that's like one of those types of soaps that isn't endocrine disrupting. You know, neither is plain ivory soap, incidentally. I just think the Dr. Bronner stuff is cooler. I don't use it for every shower. I just use water-based cleaning. And then if I do a workout, I, I use soap. You know, I think there's something to that because people go, they go, oh my God, I need the harshest stuff. I need the heavy duty stuff to kill all this bacteria. And what they don't realize is you just need to make the environment uncomfortable enough. And that could be like a point whatever, zero whatever pH change on the skin. And that'll kill pretty much everything that's yeah. not supposed to be there. 
Yeah. And I mean, same thing with BO. It's like your sweat doesn't stink. It is the sweat feeding on any bacteria that's in the areas that you tend to grow bacteria on, like your armpits and your crotch that actually create the odor. So if you can, for example, eat cleaner foods that don't send as many compounds for bacteria to feed on out your pores, then you're probably going to stink less. That's why a lot of times you'll notice if you've been on a bender and been you know, smoking and drinking and eating fast food a lot, sometimes your sweat stinks more. Whereas when you eat a, a cleaner diet, you can actually get away with perhaps using soap a little less and maintain some of those pheromones. Yeah, absolutely. Whether or not pheromones do anything, kind of still up in the air, but at least why not take every advantage you can get? Yeah, it doesn't matter anyways. If, if you're confident because you think you're producing more pheromones, then... Yeah, good old placebo effect, right? There you go. That's all you need right there. <laughs> exactly. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get back to the show. Definitely want to get into some of the biohacking stuff. I mean, you've done a lot of that. You've got these underground training tactics. What are underground training tactics? I mean, everybody wants an edge, right? Well, underground training tactics and my definition are just things that tend to fly under the radar that folks don't talk about that give you more bang for your buck, especially when it comes to exercise, like getting that minimal effective dose of exercise. For example, if I can't make it to the gym, but I really want to uh, improve my muscles ability to buffer lactic acid, which for me means that my muscles are going to be less prone to fatigue and able to go for long periods of time without getting tired or without building up burn. If I don't have time to go run on a treadmill or go ride the bike, one of the best ways to build up a ton of lactic acid in your muscle tissue all at once and train your body how to buffer that lactic acid is to combine isometric exercise with electrostimulation. And this is something that you could actually do by, for example, getting into a squat position, like where you're, you're sitting in an imaginary chair, either with your back against the wall or your back against a stability ball or just like, you know, doing, doing an air squat that you're holding. And then they make these electrostimulation units. I've got two, one made by a company called Compex and another one made by a company called Mark Pro. And they actually stimulate muscles and grab as many muscle fibers as possible. So you're in this isometric position as you're electrically stimulating the muscle. And you can do that for about four to five minutes, finish up the session and be sweating bullets and have this muscle burn that feels like you just went on, you know, an hour long, hard, intense bike ride. But it's just boom, right there, done. 
And that's an example of an underground training tactic that a lot of folks, you know, normally wouldn't use, but is especially useful, especially for somebody who's, you know, maybe like a, a cyclist or wants to go run a marathon or who wants to inject a great deal of fitness into a muscle in a minimum period of time. Another one, for example, that I'll do, like I walked my kids to the library, uh, two days ago and I turned it into a hardcore workout. Our library is about four blocks away, but I wore a 60-pound weighted vest and I wore my altitude training mask, which is oh, yeah. a, a mask that inhibits airflow. And when you combine those two, and I'll do this on hikes too, like to make a hike more difficult, you get that combination of you having to work way harder against weight and then also you get that hypoxic effect of restricted airflow. And that's a great way, again, to, to get that minimal effective dose of exercise. So you could, you know, rather than going out and, and going on a three-hour hike, you could do like a hard 20-minute walk with the weighted vests and the hypoxia. What is a minimum effective dose of exercise that you mentioned? What does that mean? Well, what that means is you're trying to get as fit as possible in a shorter period of time. So you're trying to eliminate the need to say like get fit by going to the gym for an hour a day, you know, preparing yourself to be able to run a marathon by using the traditional 10 hours of running a week and instead try and take the shortcuts, cut the corners and use better living through science to actually enhance your results with less time. You know, another example, if I'm going to fly down to L.A., and I know I'm going to be stuck in traffic for a long period of time, I put a power lung into my bag. That's a resisted breathing device that is a spring-loaded device that you breathe in and out of, and it resists airflow. And it's actually really hard, and it trains your inspiratory and expiratory muscles. It builds up precursors of red blood cells called erythropoietin, um, and it enhances your oxygen capacity all while you're sitting in a car, for example. You know, that, that's another thing I would classify as an underground training technique or an underground training tactic. Nice. Probably shouldn't do that while driving though, right? I mean, that could be bad news. I do it while driving. It's fine. You know, it's hands-free. Like, Or you can put one hand on it and one hand on the steering wheel. But it's not like you're going you're to pass out. Like, okay, so there's no head rush action happening here? Or? Theoretically, you could achieve a head rush and pass out by just like hyperventilating while you're driving. So Yeah, don't do that I mean, either. like. Yeah, like you got to be smart with everything, right? But I use it when I'm driving, especially if you're stuck in traffic and it's moving like 10 miles an hour. That's another thing I use. I mean, I've got all sorts of little things around my house. Like I have a, uh, well, I use a standing workstation. So a lot of folks use treadmill workstations. That's on my list of things to do, but my office is too small right now to put a treadmill into it effectively. Treadmill workstations or standing workstations both upregulate the activity of lipase which is a fat burning enzyme. So you can burn more fat while you're at work. And it also does cool things like relieve stress in the low back and keeps you a little bit more aware, keeps more blood flowing. But one of the things that I've found that happens when you're standing for long periods of time or using a standing workstation is you get blood pooling in your legs. So I've got two things that I do about that. I keep an inversion table out in my garage. <laughs> okay. And for about five to ten minutes, I'll go out there and hang from the inversion table. And the cool thing about that is it drains the blood from your legs, but it also improves capillarization to your head. So it increases the number of tiny blood vessels that you have in your head, and you get better oxygenation to your brain. Uh, you can also do those cool gravity sit-ups on it if you – if you want to, if you uh, want to be like Rocky, yeah, I guess Rocky does it hanging from the rafters. In yeah, the, in the yeah. old Russian lodge. There's another guy in the '80s. It was big to have gravity boots. That was the thing. And dorks in L.A. had gravity boots where they would just like do upside down crunches. I don't think they knew anything about inversion. To anything. I think it was just yeah. like having a tanning bed in your living room. Like if you've done like Bikram yoga or really many forms of yoga, you've probably done inversion poses before. And the difference between like just going to a yoga class and doing an inversion pose where your feet are up higher than your head, the difference between that and an inversion table is an, an inversion table completely decompresses your spine. It's just this completely different feeling where you're like weightless and you also get that huge rush of blood flow from your legs to your head. So that's something that I'll combine with a standing workstation to get the fat burning benefits of the standing workstation, but not risk getting, you know, varicose veins in 10 years because I'm on my feet all day like a waitress. The other thing I'll use with that is compression gear. Like there are these compression tights and you can wear compression on your legs and it drives blood flow from your legs back. I've up seen to your these. Heart. Like in Chinatown, they've got these things for guys and girls. Yeah, they're like old man socks, but 
they're cooler now and athletes wear them. But. Yeah, they're like, this is great and stylish. So you can sell them for 10 times more money. Right. But actually, there is a difference. Like the form of compression that they use now in a lot of these socks or these tights, there are brands like Skins and Two Times U and Under Armour makes them. They're what's called gradated compression, meaning it starts tight, like lower down by your ankle, and then gets looser as it goes up. So it kind of milks blood back out of extremities up towards your heart. So it's great for recovery. It's great for if you are using this strategy of like a standing workstation. And the other thing that is cool for is there are some brands, like there's this one brand called 110%. I'm actually wearing the, the shorts version of those right now. They come with ice sleeves. So you can put ice into the ice sleeves. And the reason that they say to do it is for recovery. But the reason I do it is to keep my body temperature just a little bit lower so I have to burn more fat ah, to generate rate. calories for heat. So it's basically cold thermogenesis. So it's like this fat loss technique that you can use. So you're burning more fat by standing, but you're also burning more fat by keeping your body cold. You're getting the effect of the compression, pumping blood flow back up to your heart so you don't get varicose veins. And that may sound like something that somebody would want to do for general health, but I consider it to be a form of training for sports like Ironman triathlon. Because, dude, when I spend the entire day on my feet, to me, that helps to get my body ready for something like a marathon. Yes. Where I'll be spending lots of time on my feet. So I can train less and I can run less after I've spent all day on my feet or after I've used a standing workstation compared to if I had sat on my ass all day and then felt like I had to go to the gym for an hour, an hour and a half at the end of the day to go, you know, burn calories or inject that stamina into my legs. The obvious question, don't you get cold? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you do get a little bit uncomfortable, but I mean, like, I don't know if you read the book Anti-Fragile by Nassim Talib. No. Really good book. It's just about how we've almost kind of lost our ability to be okay with being uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And we've, we've lost some of the adaptation to biological stress that goes along with that. So there's this concept of hormesis, which basically means that mild forms of biological stress can actually be good for your body, like mild forms of cold stress when not done in excess to the point where you're shivering so much that you think you're going to die and you're creating a bunch of cortisol. Right. You know, but, but when done in moderation can actually make you stronger mentally uh, or stronger physically. You know, same thing with heat. Like I go to a sauna or a spa twice a week and I sit in there until I feel like my head's going to explode. And I just do that once or twice a week to improve my heat tolerance. There are some other cool things that happen in terms of improved cardiovascular blood flow and kind of that capillarization that I talked about with inversion tables. You get that in a more full body way when you do like a, a spa or a sauna. And then, of course, there's there's all the sweating and the detox effect that can happen from that. Sure. But, you know, it's also a form of discomfort. My little rule for myself, and this might sound kind of dumb, but I try every day to do at least one thing that takes my body outside its comfort zone. That is not dumb at all. That's perfectly in line with what we teach at The Art of Charm as well. It could be playing end back on my iPhone while I'm waiting for a flight to take off. Or it could be going to a spa and sauna and, and sitting there and reading the newspaper and reading some magazines and kind of getting myself really, really warm. So there's different ways to get uncomfortable, both mentally and physically. It includes, you know, cold. But I think that's really important, and I think some people spend too much time in their comfort zone. I live in cities with tons of Asians, like L.A. and San Francisco. So there's these Korean spas, and a really good one will have different types of saunas at different types of heat, and usually an ice sauna as well. Yeah, I, I do the Japanese baths when I go over to Japan. Mm -hmm. And the transition from the sauna into, I think it's about, 18 degrees Celsius that they keep it at the the cold bath over there. It's just intense and you feel awesome when you finish, but it is uncomfortable. You yeah. know, or even yeah. if you just go into that cold bath and you just sit in the cold bath for like 20 minutes, it is uncomfortable, but man, it, it does make a big difference in the way that you look and the way that you feel. Sure. I love that stuff. I mean, I'm a little bit too much of a wuss for like the 220 degrees sauna where you're like, that's just too much for me. And there's like a Russian girl laying on the floor. I don't get how they do that, but I definitely love laying in like the rock salt and then going straight to the freezer. People yeah. are like, man, how are you doing that? And I'm just in there, you know, barely wearing anything because it's co-ed and yeah. laying on the on this ice slab and people are just like, I can't stay in here. I love it. I could take a nap in there after being in a you know, 180 degree heat with rock salt buried in clay balls. I mean, I love that stuff. Um, I never really thought about it as pushing your uncomfort zone or discomfort zone, but I think it is true. I've lived in a couple of countries where – 
They just don't do air conditioning in second and third world countries. And honestly, people get sick way less there than they do in the U.S. That could be for a million reasons. But the theory that a lot of them have is if you keep your kids in an air conditioned environment all day and then they go outside and the temperatures are that different or if it does get cold and they're not used to it because they are too hot, you know, you're so used to being in this perfect temperature that your body just goes, oh, we're never going to have to deal with temperature differentials so we can get rid of all the resources that we kept around for that. And then when you do go into a cold place, it's like you're just SOL. Yeah, that makes me think of two things. There was a Wired Magazine article, I think it was a couple of years ago now, featuring this NASA materials engineer named Ray Cronice. And he actually studies enhancing fat loss via the use of temperature fluctuations. And one of his go-to tactics is he'll do a five-minute shower in the morning and a five-minute shower in the evening alternating 20 seconds of cold water with 10 seconds of hot water. So he'll go 10 times through 20 seconds cold, 10 seconds hot for five minutes, morning and evening. And he actually graphed some of the fat loss results in that Wired Magazine article. And it was pretty significant in terms of what you can do just by, in in that case, what you do is you upregulate nitric oxide. So you're enhancing like oxygen delivery and nutrient delivery to tissue and speeding up metabolism. So that's one thing that that makes me think of. And then the other thing is there's this book that I read last year called The Paleo Manifesto by this guy named John Durant. And he's got a whole section of that book where he delves into how like some of the fiercest warrior populations on the face of the planet all have this history of exposing their babies and their children to icy cold temperatures, like doing like ice cold baths in the river when they're really young or like throwing them into lakes or making them go play outside in the snow. And how there's this correlation between intense cold exposure when you're young and being much tougher when you get older. Sure. And I think also being raised by parents who would throw you in an icy lake would make you tough too. Probably just the the nature of that form of parenting would help out a little bit too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And for guys that are trying to furiously write this stuff while they're at a red light, all these books are going to be in the show notes. So don't panic and don't feel like you need to write anything down. Just enjoy But you and I talked a little bit before about detoxification. I definitely am interested in that. It's such a bullshit-laden subject that it's good to have somebody who's actually tested things as well and doesn't just do stuff because it's the latest trend in baloney, Los Angeles style. But what about detoxifying things like liver? You said your brain gets a lot of metal. I mean, that gut is important. We always hear about that. In fact, the only kind of detoxification you usually hear about is gut. But what about liver and brain and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, the the idea behind detoxification is you're trying to somehow bind things that might have built up in organs, you know, like the like the liver and the gut and the brain, and then allow your body to remove those things using your body's natural detoxification mechanisms like urine, stool, sweat, things of that nature. So in most cases from the research that I've seen on actually getting rid of anything from a heavy metal to say like a a toxin that you might have built up from pharmaceutical use, that type of thing, is you have to somehow bind it or surround it. So one of the things we were talking about was metal detoxification. And in that case, the, the type of metal detoxification that I use is an amino acid chain. And that would be the binding of the actual metal. Another example would be charcoal. Like charcoal is really popular to help the body flush out poison to help you deal with toxins that you might get from food. I actually had a couple capsules of activated charcoal last night because we went to an oyster feed. And I know that shellfish tends to have some toxins and stuff in it. So I just popped a couple uh, charcoal capsules. Chlorella acts a little bit similarly to charcoal. It's much more expensive, but it's also a binding agent. The trick is, though, that your body actually has this mechanism. It would be what's called, when we're talking about like liver detoxes, your phase two liver detox pathway. So it's not enough to just bind a compound. You also have to support its removal. And that's where antioxidants, things like glutathione and a lot of hospitals use N-acetylcysteine is one popular one that's used for liver detox when people come into hospitals and they have uh, alcohol overdose or alcohol toxicity, stuff like that, as well as just broad phase antioxidants like these antioxidant powders and things like that that get marketed as recovery compounds, things of that nature. So what you do is you, you combine a binder with an antioxidant 
And that's the way that I encourage folks to detox. So you would, for example, take chlorella or activated charcoal or something like that in the evening, and then you'd take an antioxidant in the morning. So that would be an example of like a a good mechanism for like a liver or a gut detox. Or you do like charcoal in the evening and then you use like an antioxidant or something like that in the morning. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's get back to the good stuff. As far as brain detox, the most important thing when it comes to brain is just shutting down inflammation in the brain, shutting down inflammation of neural tissue in the brain. And uh, one of the compounds that I know is really useful for that is actually curcumin, which is uh, what you'd find as like the active component of turmeric. So curcumin works really well if you've like been drinking a lot and you have a hangover the next day. You can take about a gram or two of curcumin and you notice a huge difference in the way that your brain feels um, or in the way that, way that your head feels. So I'm a fan of curcumin. It's got some cool uh, pain-fighting properties too. Like I have an alternative that I use for uh, ibuprofen. It's called phenocaine and it's just a mix of curcumin and natokinase and boswellia and some of these things that act a little bit similarly to ibuprofen without doing such a number on your stomach. There's different things that you can use for different organs, but some of my favorites are to use like chlorella and or activated charcoal as your binding agent and then to use a full spectrum antioxidant. So not like synthetic vitamin C or synthetic vitamin E, but like a powder that's that's comprised of like berries and seeds and nuts and all sorts of natural antioxidants as kind of like your phase two detox. And then for neural inflammation, um, I'm a big fan of curcumin. Another one that I know has been studied for brain inflammation and nervous system inflammation is that uh, that component of red wine, the resveratrol stuff. Of course, the the issue with that is you'd have to drink a ton of wine. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, to, to get enough resveratrol. But there are some resveratrol supplements out there that are like powdered resveratrol, like you know high dose resveratrol extracts, and those appear to have some pretty good effects on the nervous system. You know, I I had a podcast at some point in in the past on Ben Greenfield Fitness with a guy named Mark Joyner, who's pretty cool. He runs this this Simpleology website, but he's also done a bunch of studying on detox. And at some point during the podcast, there's an ebook that he wrote that we talk about where he goes into a bunch of different binders and a bunch of different antioxidants. But what works well for me, like because you can get carried away with this stuff. Yes, seems really easy. Super duper complex. I look at it in really simple terms. I either pick a binder, again, like chlorella or charcoal. I pick an antioxidant, um, and that's, it's usually a powder. And, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of different ones out there. One that I use is Superberry. Another one is Life Shots. And then for the brain, I use curcumin, and that's it. Do you take those every day? I use antioxidants and detox type of compounds. Right, you use yeah, them like exactly. a weapon. Yeah, you mentioned exactly. that earlier. Yeah, yeah. so um, this morning I used curcumin just because of that oyster feed that I did last night and I ate a crap load of clams and oysters and crab legs and all sorts of stuff. So I just wanted to, to kind of play my cards safe and then I also did the charcoal and the antioxidants last night. You know, uh, next week I'll be in Las Vegas. I'm doing a, a Spartan race in Las Vegas. That race is on Saturday. I'll probably drink a bunch on Saturday night and do something similarly on Saturday night. You know, for me, it's it's like a weapon. So I might use protocols, you know, detox protocols like this or antioxidants once a week or so and then do something like a metal detox once a year. Okay. What happens if you over detox? Because some people are going metal detox once a year. Screw that. I'm going to do it every Friday. It returns to this whole idea of being uncomfortable and mild amounts of biological stress being good for your body. That's why there have been studies that have shown that people who are trying to uh, enhance their fitness through exercise actually do not respond as well to exercise if they're using high-dose antioxidants because rather than teaching your body how to fight free radicals or rather than making your mitochondria, the little ATP-producing right. organelles of your cell, rather than make them the stronger. The power supply of the cell. The powerhouse, I think. Powerhouse, is, yeah. Is the term all the kids are using these days. The powerhouse of the cell. 
what happens is you can shut down your body's ability to more or less take care of itself if you're always dumping in exogenous sources of help. Ah, just like taking steroids shut down your endogenous testosterone production. Exactly. So if you're doing something like totally unnatural, like you're going out and crushing yourself with a two-hour run because you're getting ready for a marathon or you've got this one day of the week when you go to the gym and you just like limp out of there and that's like your day where you just destroy yourself or something like that, Right. then that's where antioxidants might come in handy. But if you're just doing like sane amounts of exercise and just kind of living healthy on a daily basis, then again, you use these things like weapons when your body actually is under huge amounts of stress and and needs them. So that's my take on antioxidants. As far as the metal detox goes, I don't know. I can't say if there'd be a difference between like doing a metal detox every day just to cover your bases or whatever versus doing it once a year. Um, but for me, again, it comes down to simplicity versus complexity. I know that I can get good effects by just doing it once a year so I don't bother doing it once a day. Sure. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And there's so much we can talk about, but one of the things that I think is particularly interesting is is how effective people sleep. Because a lot of people go, oh, I need to get more sleep. It's not necessarily more. There's all kinds of knowledge about things you need to take before you go to bed and you need blackout curtains and all that stuff. How do we optimize our sleep? Because I'm assuming a guy like you has done a bajillion high-intensity physical activities, and I was I was on the fence. Do we talk about prepping for those? But I think it's, you know, everyone sleeps. Not everybody runs Ironman. You know, how do you sleep at night, sir? You know, I've, I've gotten that question before, but I don't know if anyone's ever ended it with sir. It would sound better, though, in an English accent. You know? How do you sleep at night, sir? Or even like a little boy English accent. How uh, do you sleep at night, sir? So that was, please have another. Not bad. Um, not bad. Not bad. You know... I just got done writing about a 500-page book, and there's nearly 60 pages of it that are devoted just to sleep. You know, I've had to go through every aspect of sleep disruption from things like Ironman training to, you know, having twin boys. They're six years old now, but of course, they were babies at one time, and I had to deal with that. And, you know, there are a lot of methods out there for getting better sleep, but I can tell you some of the things that I personally do. The first is... I use blue light blocking glasses to decrease the amount of blue light wave spectrum that the photoreceptors in my eyes are exposed to at night. So the reason I do that is because blue light can disrupt the production of melatonin. Melatonin being one of the things that helps your body to repair cells when you're asleep, helps with things like memory formation when you're asleep, helps your body to drop its core temperature so that muscle cells can repair and regenerate while you're asleep. So there's there's all sorts of cool things that melatonin can do. The issue is you could use melatonin as a supplement. The problem with that is that you may potentially shut down your pineal glands on right. production of melatonin. So it's better to just kind of try and avoid things that would shut down melatonin production and the biggie is smartphones and computers and, and iPads and television sets and all those type of things. So uh, blue light blocking glasses are really good. You can buy them from websites like lowbluelights.com. There's a gaming company called Gunnar and their gaming glasses are created for anti-glare, but they block over 80% of blue light wave spectrums. Um, you can make sure that at night you've got most of the lights in your house turned off or you can use like red lights um, or even infrared lights, for example, that, that kind of are more like torch light or like the, the fire that our ancestors would have used at night rather than like the, the harsh fluorescent lighting. I've actually got those uh, Philips Hue bulbs that yeah, are like Philips LED. Are, yeah, those are pretty sick because then you can change the lighting based off the time of day because honestly like – Shutting down melatonin production and getting blue light exposure, for example, in the morning is actually a good thing because it can help to wake you up. That's the basis behind like these alarm clocks that are based on light rather than sound or like uh, light boxes for people with seasonal affective disorder or depression is you're getting this big dose of blue light in the morning and that's like hitting the reboot button on your circadian rhythm and not only helping you to be more alert during the day but to sleep better at night. But the last thing you'd want to do is use those things at night. So it's like Blue light in the morning equals good. Blue light at night equals bad. There's also a program I, I use on the computer I've talked about on the show called Flux, F.L.U.X. It's for Mac. I don't know if it works for PC, but basically it knows where you are, knows when the sun sets and changes the temperature of the color of your screen. Yeah, they need to design one of those for phones. I think. Yeah, that should be kind of like in the OS as a checkbox. You know, yeah. Do you want this yeah. or not? Yeah, that would be sweet. So blue light is one thing. And then when I travel, I do use melatonin. 
my naturopathic physician actually uses melatonin for his cancer patients to like put them into like a coma at nights. So they forget pain. He uses about 20 milligrams of melatonin. And I tried that once and it totally knocked me out. Um, it's really interesting, but you don't need to take 20 milligrams of melatonin. What you can do though is when you're traveling just to reset your circadian rhythm, when you get to wherever you're going, you can just use about one to three milligrams or so pills, tablets, capsules are really poorly absorbed, but liquid melatonin or a melatonin patch that you would put on an area of high blood flow, like the inside of your thigh or underneath your armpit, that works really well if you happen to be traveling and you want to enhance sleep. That wouldn't be like every day, but liquid melatonin or melatonin patches when you travel, along with that elimination of blue light, that's another thing I really like. A lot of people wake up at night. Like I found a lot of like entrepreneurs or like high achievers, they'll wake up at like 3 or 4 a.m. and their mind will be racing with what they need to do that day. But then they're pissed because they would rather have woken up at 6 and gotten those extra two hours of sleep. Sure. I find that one of the things that can help in a situation like that but not leave you drowsy when you get up is passion flower extract. You may have heard of GABA before or gamma aminobutyric acid. It's an inhibitory neurotransmitter and it can really settle you down and your brain naturally makes it. The problem though is if you use a GABA supplement – that technically is a little bit similar to using like melatonin in terms of potentially long-term being able to shut down your own natural production of that inhibitory neurotransmitter. The other issue is that's a very large molecule that technically shouldn't be able to cross the blood-brain barrier. Now, in people with what's called a leaky blood-brain barrier, using a GABA supplement will actually be effective. And leaky blood-brain barriers are typically created through a combination of high amounts of stress and low amounts of sleep. It's very similar to brain inflammation. Uh, but there are things that you can take that would naturally produce your brain's own production of gamma immunobutyric acid. And passion flower is one of those. And I actually keep a little liquid dropper of passion flower on my bed stand. So if I wake up at 2 or 3 or 4 a.m., I'll do about a dropper full of that and it just settles you down. It works really well for napping too because it doesn't leave you drowsy later on. Like you don't wake up at 6 a.m. feeling like you got hit by a Mack truck or, you know, if you take it for an afternoon nap or something like that, like you can hop out of bed, you know, 30 or 40 minutes later and feel just fine. But it just settles you down just long enough for you to fall back asleep. So passion flower works really well and you can get that in extract form from like Amazon or, or whatever. That's another one that I like. There are all those things that you read about and they do work, you know, keeping your room quiet and using, you know, blackout curtains or using a sleep mask to keep your room dark. There are a variety of supplements out there that do indeed work for relaxing you in addition to, you know, using melatonin when you travel. Like magnesium is a natural relaxant. Potassium is another one that works pretty well. There are some people who have neurotransmitter issues and for those folks like 5-HTP is another really popular one. I guess the last thing I would recommend, just because there's so many places I could go with this question, is if you are one of those people who has neurotransmitter issues. How, how do you know if you have neurotransmitter issues? Well, if you really want to know, you can go to like a wholesale lab testing company. Direct Labs, for example, is one that I'll use. And they have what's called a neuroendocrine panel which is a blood test that you can get that will test and see whether you are deficient or have too much of certain neurotransmitters, like too much serotonin or not enough serotonin or too much dopamine or not enough dopamine. So that one's called a neuroendocrine panel. Um, you can get that through direct labs, for example, or you could, like if you have a local you know, natural medical doctor or naturopath, they could run that panel for you as well. And one of the supplements that I've found really helps folks with neurotransmitters is a combination of 5-HTP and tryptophan. There's a bunch of different combos out there. Most are in a pretty similar ratio of like a, a 10 to 1 ratio, but one's called Travacore. And again, none of the stuff I'm mentioning I, I sell or you know have an association with the company or anything, but Travacore is one that's basically like a neurotransmitter repletion type of supplement. And I've found that for like hard charging guys or girls who are just wired to be like really intense people like me, apparently. Yes. <laughs> uh, Travacore is something that is a supplement that I found helps out a lot of people. And 
you know, there's some people that don't respond at all to like 5-HTP and tryptophan and stuff like that because they don't have any neurotransmitter issues at all. And then for those people, Travacore wouldn't work. But that's another one I found that for people who, who tend to have like some really intense stress issues and stuff like that, that one tends to help out as well. So uh, honestly, I could talk for two hours about sleep, dude. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff, but those are some of the things. That's definitely, that's solid, man. I think this is a great place to kind of maybe leave it because there's a lot here. I mean, sleep, supplements, toxins, and detoxification. My last question, though, just for me personally, what about these air filters and things like that? I mean, I live in San Francisco. I'm right in the middle of the city. I'm not too far from a highway. There's a lot of trucks. I keep my windows closed, but there's still probably a lot of pollution in here. I used to live in LA. That obviously was even worse. Are there air filters I can get that are going to do the job? Just about any HEPA air filter, dude. I mean, like, you know, the same thing they use on planes. So you just get a basic HEPA air filter. Some of them are smaller, and you can just use them in, in smaller rooms. Some of them are larger, and they'll work for a home. HEPA air filter works well. Having plants in your home actually works out pretty well. Making sure that you keep the fan on in areas of your house that would tend to get a little bit more, like, mold exposure or you know, have, have a little more moisture in them. That's really important too, just from the, like the mold and the toxin standpoint. Really though, one, one of the best things you can do is just one of these HEPA filters that or wear one of these sexy masks around all the time. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I have a bunch in my drawer. People send me weird stuff. I actually just got some of these. There's a, here we go. It's called a Tudum personal mask. They're like these personal masks that apparently people wear to stop the spread of germs. I kind of have this this issue with germs, though, is, is it's like if you have contaminants and chemicals and paint sprays and asbestos and you know carbon monoxide and stuff like that circulating around your house. Yeah, those germs are dead, man. Then, <laughs> yeah. That, well, I mean, like that's where like using a HEPA air filter would come in handy. But I'm working on a, a series of articles right now that I'm writing for Paleo Magazine. I'm personally not paleo, but I'm writing some articles for them. And it's on raising healthy kids. And one of the things I talk about is this whole like hygiene hypothesis that – you actually shouldn't use antibacterial soaps and antibiotics and kind of like live in a bubble all the time because it can make your body weak. Like it can weaken your immune system because you're never exposing it to some of these germs and some of these immune system assailants that help you to bounce back stronger. So, you know, I would say with any of this stuff, you kind of got to look at your reason for using it. If you've, if you've got a lot of toxins in your home or you've got a lot of mold or you live next to a busy road, yeah, help an air filter might help out. But if it's just to keep germs and dirt out of your house, I think that those actually can do you more favors than harm. Yeah, I, I would agree, especially what, given what we talked about with, you know, having your immune system and your other systems battle testing, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So I think probably the whole takeaway here from the whole podcast is don't shower and eat poop and um, you're going to be good to go. Yeah. God, we could have saved each other, everybody a lot of time. Seriously. What don't shower and eat poop. Got it. Excellent. Thanks, Ben Greenfield from bengreenfieldfitness.com. We'll be linking that up, of course, in the show notes. And uh, you've got a book coming out as well. We'll link up in the show notes. That won't be a problem. Beyond Training book. It definitely is seemingly quite a fitting title, Beyond Training. Yeah, man. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to shoot a copy down for you so you can read it and, and let your listeners know about it. So, I'll... Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jordan. Perhaps play a little game called Just a Tip, just for a second, just to see how it feels. Hey, this is Jordan Harbinger, host of the Art of Charm podcast, the number one dating and relationship advice podcast in iTunes. I'm Emily Morse, host of the Sex with Emily podcast, the number one sex and relationship podcast on iTunes and at sexwithemily.com. And this is Just the Tip. So recently I've been reading about clitoral orgasms and vaginal orgasms and all these different types of orgasms. I guess, how many types are there? It seems like there's a ton. Oh my God, there's so many different types. No, but the thing is, for each woman it's different. There's clitoral orgasms, there is G-spot orgasms, there's even blended orgasms. Mm-hmm. So most sounds women... Sounds like it's like a smoothie. Exactly, you just put it in a blender and, and see what happens. Smoothie. Orgasm smoothie sounds delicious. I'd like to wake up to that every single morning. So most women need clitoral stimulation, even before any other kind. So get her clitoris going, get it warmed up, but then she's more likely to achieve other orgasms after she's warmed up. So the G-spot orgasm, which can be achieved with your penis or with fingers, you can explore, use lots of lube. Um, You can also, women can have orgasms through their breasts or their nipples. 
alone. Did you really? know that? Really? Just through the nipples? Just the nipples. Wow. Yeah, crazy orgasms. You That's the safest move. sex ever. That is the safest sex ever. And I think some women don't even know it, so spend some time on her nipples. Um, you can also, there's also the blended or fused type of orgasm. This happens when more than one area of the body becomes stimulated and then aroused at the same time. Mm. So a lot of women experience a clitoral orgasm and a vaginal orgasm. Um, that's also one of the most pleasurable twofers on the planet. Yeah, that sounds like a really good combo deal. Yep. Awesome. So play with your partner and figure out what she likes. And her body, you know, women, men look at the vagina as the Rubik's Cube of life, but you can get all the colors on one side. If you guys want to learn more from The Art of Charm about dating, relationships, and even networking for business, visit us at theartofcharmpodcast.com or check us out in iTunes and follow me on Twitter at The Art of Charm. And check out the Sex with Emily podcast at sexwithemily.com and on iTunes if you want to have the best sex of your life, that is. Also, follow me on Twitter at sexwithemily. All right, show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Boot camp details for our live programs also at theartofcharm.com, and that's where you're going to find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media as well. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher or something like that, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss a thing. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's really it. And you guys can help us. Subscribe in iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Write something nice and we will love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash The Art of Charm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us up in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily to get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing products and training from us. So tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything better than you found it.